like the rain, look what we got. Yes, well, we take whatever the Lord gives us. Um, I would like, today's our annual business meeting, and uh, you, uh, you're you welcome to attend. If you're not a member, you're not welcome to vote. <laughs> Just three of us are welcome to vote. I'm kidding. Just kidding. I'd like for those who are presently elders, uh, you're here, would you stand up? I'd like people to, to see who you are. Jerry, get on your feet. And there's Mike. Brent, oh, over there you are, hiding out. He has my back sitting over there. Okay, who else? Walter, over here. And uh, Jason, where are you? Oh. <laughs> there, he, there he stands in all of his shining glory. You know, look at Jason's hair. Um, my dad once told my sister when he saw an old friend of his said, I used to know him before it grew out of his hair. <laughs> He's a good looking guy. He's a good man. All right, thank uh, thank all of you. Oh, Jeff. Where, Jeff's back there. Oh, he's back there. If you don't know Jeff Moore, he's there. Some of these guys will carry over. Uh, we add some new ones this afternoon if you elect them. So we thank you guys. These guys are very... <laughs> They're very thoughtful. They're very devout and very supportive. Uh, and I want you to know that. They're, they're good men. And uh, someday we'll have them back on the board except for Brent. <laughs> they're all good men. And uh, you'll see this afternoon the others that they go on three-year terms in case you're new here and rotate off. Some do, some on. We've got kind of a deal where some are going on, some are going off. So we always have some continuity. So good to have you. All right, today we come to the Gospel of John as we continue our exposition, verses 35 through 51. Let me read that passage. We finished a prologue where John sums up their convictions about Jesus. How did they arrive at those convictions? The rest of the book tells us. So in verses 35... Again, the next day, John, distinguished John the Baptist from John the Apostle who wrote the book. The next day, John the Baptist was standing and along with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus as he saw Jesus walking. And he said again, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. You notice there were other disciples of John. They didn't. That's not that they necessarily refused him. They just didn't know what was going on yet. But these two felt the Spirit of God tugging them, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and beheld them following, and he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, 
which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, this is kind of the key to our text, not the only thing, but the key to our text today. Come and you will see. They came therefore and saw where he was staying. They stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour, which would have been about four o'clock by Jewish reckoning in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak follow and followed him was Andrew. Peter and Andrew, Simon's brother, Simon Peter's brother. And he found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah. The Jews were expecting him, which translated means the Christ, the anointed one. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. The next day he proposed to go forth, that's Jesus, into Galilee. And he, Jesus, he found Philip. Jesus said to him, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. These guys were all close. They were all connected. They were all fishermen. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets spoke, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I love this. Nathanael, just a straight shooter. Nathanael said to him, Yeah, sure you have. Can any... Any good thing come out of that podunk? Don't think so. Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, blew him away, and he said of him, Behold an Israelite, a descendant of Jacob, who unlike Jacob in whom is no guile. There's no hypocrisy in this guy. He's a straight shooter. You want to know what he thinks? Ask him. Nathaniel said to them, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were sitting under the fig tree, how did he know that? I saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, teacher, you are the Son of God. He does not yet have a full orbed understanding of that phrase, he has some. You're the king of Israel. I can't believe this knowledge. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you trust in me? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. A lot more is in store for you. I'll tell you a little story from my high school days. It has to do with this come and see. Most of the time that I was growing up, my family did not own a car. That created some difficulties, but that's a side point. Anyway, I don't remember exactly when, probably in the ninth grade, we managed to get a car. I believe it was either a 38 or 39 Chevy. 
the timelines still trouble me somewhat. I can't quite figure them out. But anyway, somewhere in there, I got my driver's license. By that time, she didn't know all the time I was growing up until along about my 10th grade year. Mom went to work. She uh, had owned a beauty shop, and that was her work. And nobody was home when I came home from school. As I say, I had learned to drive in there somewhere. Anyway, I knew where the keys were. Mom didn't know it. Dad didn't know it. I wasn't much to do this kind of thing. But it does show what happens when parents aren't around. I went out, took the keys, and went off without their knowledge driving that Chevy. It ran well. Here was Oak Hill, a town. Here was Fayetteville, our bitter rival. I would take the car out between Oak Hill and Fayetteville, and there were rolling hills between them. That's West Virginia for you. I got it well outside of Oak Hill, about six miles apart. I wound it up and took it off that hill coming toward Fayetteville. And uh, I, made, uh, I made that car get up to over 90 miles an hour, flying off that hill. Well, I was back standing on the street corner with, you know, the boys. And I was telling them about my exploit. And one of them did, if you know me, he set my pants on fire. He said, oh, Jim, 39, 38 Chevy, I don't remember which. He said, that model Chevy won't go that fast. You tell me I'm blind or I'm a liar. Don't do that. That's a big mistake. I said, come and see. Okay, he said, got in the car. We drove over there a few miles. I started my starting place coming down a hill. Said it was geared too low. I said, we'll see if it's geared too low. And I rolled that thing off, off the hill and I got it up to about 90. That's okay, it's okay, I believe you, I believe you. That car was kind of rattling and I let off on it. I said, you still believe it's geared too low? No, 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 I believe you, I believe you. Come and see. There can lots of times be a lot in that. There's a lot in it here. Well, let's talk about it. There's certainly a lot in it when it comes to the walk of faith, a whole lot in it. There's certainly a whole lot in it when it comes to knowing God, to knowing Jesus. We'll see that. We'll work up to that. Well, we see in verse 35 that as John begins to recount how they came to know Jesus, John had the previous day testified, Behold the Lamb of God. The next day John was standing and two of his disciples. And again he looked at Jesus as he saw him walking out there on the perimeter somewhere, I guess. He said again, Ears up, Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, what would that mean to them? We've always got to go back to the context. Well, you go back to Genesis 22. I'm going to tell you the story. You can go to verse 8 if you want to. But most of you who are believers, you will remember this story. The Lord had come to Abraham 
after telling him previously, you're going to have a son. You and Sarah haven't had a son. You're going to get one. You're going to get a son when she's 90 and you're 100 years old. That son is going to be your heir, not a slave in your house. This son, you're going to name him Isaac. So they have the son. It's a stupendous miracle. Sarah laughs her head off. Me, 90 years old, having a baby? This is crazy. So down the road a little ways, the Lord comes to Abraham and says, I want you. He really didn't, but Abraham didn't know this. I want you to take your son Isaac and go to a certain place, Mount Moriah, where the temple is now built. I want you to go and sacrifice. Human sacrifice was a common thing among pagans in those days. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. Well, as we learn later, I can't bring all these passages together. We'll totally get lose control of time. Abraham figured, it doesn't say that in this passage, it says it in the New Testament. Abraham figured, well, this is the Lord God. He can do what he wants to do. I don't know how he's going to work this out, but if he wants to raise this boy from the dead after I sacrifice him, he's perfectly capable of doing that. What stupendous faith. So he takes Isaac, and they're going along, and Isaac says, Hey, Dad, we forgot something. Where's the sacrificial lamb? And his dad, Abraham, says cryptically. But he also says, and there's a technical word for it, it's a French phrase, census plenior. It means to speak better than one knows. Abraham didn't know all that he was saying. He said, son, God will provide. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Even Abraham didn't know what all that meant. He was speaking hundreds of years before Christ. That's called a type, and Jesus Christ is the antitype. But literally, when they got to the scene, as Abraham raised the knife, God stayed his hand, stop, stop. Don't do that. And then he saw a ram, a male, male lamb over there, male sheep over there rustling around in a brush, had his horns caught in the, in the bushes, and that became the sacrificial lamb. And that sacrificial lamb was a type of the one that God would provide for your sins and my sins, for our salvation. Well, that's what came to mind here, and that's what John's talking about. This is God's provision for your sins and my sins and her sins and his sins. Yes. Behold the Lamb of God. There has to be a lamb if we're going to be saved. But he is the ultimate lamb of God. He's the antitype to the type. Well, we move on. Behold the lamb of God, he says. Two disciples heard him speak. They didn't care. Whether they did later, we don't know. The others, followers of John, they didn't get it. They just rolled right past him. But these two, ah, uh, think we want to follow him, this one that he called the Lamb of God. 
Verse 38, Jesus turned and he beheld them following. He turned around and he said, Hey, man, what do you seek? That's still the question that he's asking the world today. Still the question he asks anybody that proposes, what do you seek? And they said to him, naturally, teacher, where are you staying? That was really what they wanted to know. But they wanted to know more, really. They wanted to know about this one that John identified as the Lamb of God. He said to them, come and you will see. They came therefore, saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him for the whole day. It's about four o'clock. Well, before we move any further, I want to say to every one of you and to myself as well, we're followers of Jesus. What do you seek? What do you seek? What is it that you're after in this quest, this following Jesus bit? He says, come after me and you will see. You will see where I'm staying. You'll see what I'm all about. Well, folks, a lot of people want to come to the Lord, sort of. They want to come to the Lord and on a show me. And it's not like that with the Lord. It's by faith. You come to me and I will show you. I will show you what I'm all about. You'll grow in the knowledge of me. We cannot go through life putting God to the test. When I say God and Jesus, you know, same thing. You cannot go that way with him. Uh, that's a pretty big leap of faith. I don't know if I want to do that. I may get my britches singed. With him, it always was and it still is. He's the Lamb of God. You want to know me? You want to find out what I'm all about? You come. We'll, you'll get it all figured out later. I'll show you. But not until you come. It's like that. We get in the Bible. We see all of the Lord's guidance. We see all the Lord's promises. We see all the Lord's warnings. Are they true? He says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. I just pick out something. It's not even in my notes. I pick out something for the moment for the sake of illustration. Something you hear very little about in this church. You come and all of us should know that of our resources. We honor God with our resources. Oh, but my inflation is going crazy. I hardly have enough money to put, fill my tank up with gas. Lord, I hope you understand, but I can't afford it. 
To you, Jesus says, come, follow me, you will see. Do what you ought to do. And even though you don't see the means, you don't see how, you will see. If there's anything Aussie and I have learned over the years, and not just us, I've seen others, you will see. Don't be stingy with God. You will see. Come and you will see. Just pull out the stops and obey Jesus. Trust him. And you will see. It's not see and then come. Never works that way. And if anybody's trying to follow Jesus that way, I'm telling you right now, that's not going to work. Pull out the stops of faith and just do what's right, what you know to do. And you will see. Sometimes it's going to take courage in your Christian walk. Brian, in his devotional up here, was heading on that. It's, we're living in days that are going to take some courage. And it's going to require some people in your jobs, in your schools, and other, wherever you might be, just to pull out the stops and be courageous. I talked to one of our, one of our people just last Sunday. It was an issue. She wasn't crying in her beer about it. I was so proud of her, just one of you. She says, I'm going to lose my job. I said, why is that? I won't get into the conviction. I don't feel I should do that, and I'm not going to. She is a highly skilled professional. The days that are ahead are going to require that stuff out of some of us, where we're just going to have to stand up and say, that is not right. We've got this big issues just come down from the Supreme Court. Some of you are working jobs. It may be in the medical profession. It may be in the teaching. It may be wherever. Where they're going to require of you, they're going to command you, you just like the just like the vaccine. You've got to sign up for this. You've got to say yes. Don't care what they say out there. You've got to say yes if you're going to work here. And the minute you do that, you're signing off on your job. It's not here yet. But I've told you for years where we're headed and you're seeing it. So it's going to take courage where we're going to have to come and then see. Instead of standing back, Lord, I want to see. I want to show you you're going to protect my job. I could lose my house. I could lose all that sort of stuff. Well, you can just extrapolate where this stuff could go. The Christian life is based on come and you will see. They were talking, this is not spiritualizing the text. They just answered in a, in a simple and straightforward way. What are you guys looking for? Jesus said. It's a question you and I would have asked if we found a couple of guys following us we'd have turned on our heels though Jesus wasn't uncertain turn on our heels and say you guys looking for something Jesus knew the whole story he said what are you looking for and they gave the natural answer which was straightforwardly true 
we'd just like to know where you're staying. We'd like to spend some time with you. But Jesus' answer was coded. He meant more than they were saying when he said, come and see. So embedded in all that is a great principle of the whole Christian life. Come and you will see. Well, let's go on. Well, they, they, the two who heard John speak and followed him were Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He went out and he found his brother, Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah. Well, at that time, they did not have a four-orbed understanding of either the Messiah or the Son of God or any of that. But their faith started seminally, seed-like. It had been planted by the Spirit of God. They're like little children. I remember when our youngest daughter, Julie, received Christ. She was very young. And time proved us absolutely right. She uh, came down to her mother, as I recall, they were sitting on the steps leading up to the upstairs bathroom. She came down and told her mother that she had received Jesus as her Savior. Well, like most of us, she wanted, you know, kind of Aussie, just wanted to make sure she had some idea of what was going on there. And so she started to probe Julie a little. And Julie's answer, sell no wine, folks, before it's time. Wait until you see what's going on. Julie's answer, I think she was four, but she was always precocious about spiritual things. As all she asked her, who she said, he's top as top. That about gets to it. But she didn't have any understanding of the Chalcedonian Creed. She didn't understand the Westminster Confession of Faith. And yet there are those when young ones receive Christ and they can be superficial without understanding. There are those who say, oh, 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 we're not going to baptize that child. No, we're going to hold off for eight years. Sometimes they're parents and see whether or not this is real. I do understand part of that. But listen, faith starts where it's, these disciples break off that sentence. These disciples, do you understand? Do you follow them through the Gospels? Sometimes you say, do you know Flip after all you've seen? Jesus was very patient with them. And he let their faith germinate, take root, spring up, blossom, and come to full-orbed understanding of who he was. And we see that in the prologue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Wow. They sure didn't have that understanding in the beginning. That's not where Peter started. That's not where Andrew started. That's not where Philip Nathaniel started. They didn't start there. A little seed of faith that the Spirit of God had implanted there. A lot of people start there. A lot of people start coming to church. They don't know Jesus from a bunny rabbit. They come to church. They hear message after message. His message, my message, somebody else's message. They hear this implanted. It goes in the ears. And some of it actually falls down into the heart. It's just there. Seeds of faith, but they're of God. They're planted there by the Spirit of God. They're going to grow up. They're going to blossom. They're going to bear fruit. 
We're not going to say because you can't recite some creed to me, you don't know the Lord. These guys did. Okay. Well, he brought his brother. There's an interesting thing there. Andrew, who doesn't become a leader among the disciples. He is, of course, one of the apostles. But he brings his brother. You would have thought Andrew bring his brother. He'd have been the leader, right? Just shows the way God works. It's Peter. Peter and John, they become the leaders. You never know how God's going to work. Crazy things by our standards. The night I was saved, my friend, you can laugh at the name if you want to, his name Bingy. Bingy came to Christ too. Both of us stood down there in front of that church weeping. Today, if Bingy's still alive, he's pastoring the church where we receive Christ and he's a pastor and I'm a pastor. Both of us 300 years old. Unbelievable. That's the way God works. Who would have thought those two little boys standing down there, down there would, be, that's, would be still in the ministry at our age? I don't want to tell you my age. I'm like a woman. Don't ask. Don't ask. Anyway, it's crazy. God does marvelous things. Well, anyway, the next day, Jesus purposed to go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, he sees him out there. And there's not a lot of table talk. They didn't meet by the seashore and get, let's get acquainted. There was none of that. Sometimes that's the way the Lord works. And he just says to him with that divine word, follow me. When he says it, things happen. And Philip was from Bethsaida. It's not Bethsaida, Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. All those guys lived up there. Philip found Nathaniel. They have friends. What are you noticing here? And he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets spoke. He's a subject of prophecy. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. We found him. Come on. Well, what are you noticing here about these guys? He finds him and he finds that one and he finds somebody else. In bringing people to Christ to the knowledge of God, do you notice something? People tend to work in their circles of influence. Isn't that the way we work? Usually when somebody comes to Christ, we find in this church, we find there's been a circle of influence. Use those. They're the best places to start. People who know you, people who trust you, start in your circles of influence. You don't have to grab a sandwich board and go downtown. Probably get a shot up anyway. <laughs> but just start in your circles of influence. That's where they started. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, here's another friend. He finds Nathaniel, and he said to him, We found him of whom Moses and the law prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
Nathaniel didn't fall off the turnip truck. He's kind of like some of us. That Nazareth was a podunk town. It's bigger today, but it's no great city, even today. Kind of trashy. What was it you bought there, Aussie, of Nazareth? I don't remember. We were there visiting one time. I had to haul it all the way back to the States. Didn't I? It's all right, honey. It's all right. <laughs> she doesn't pay attention to me at home or here. <laughs> yeah, she does. I'm just kidding. Anyway, you're not going to tell me, Nathaniel says, that you found the Christ, the Messiah, prophesied to You found him in Nazareth, that's Podunksville. Nothing good can come out of there. Well, they don't have a long dialogue about that. Suddenly, Philip says, well, just come and see. There it is again. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him, and then he read him. He said, behold, an Israelite, a son of Israel, a son of Jacob, who, contrary to Jacob, in whom there is no guile. You ever had somebody just read you? Some people are pretty good at reading people. I don't know that I ever had, but things like that happen, but not like happened here. Jesus saw him, and when he said that, Nathaniel said, Wow. He knows me. He wasn't flattering himself. He knew what he meant. Probably Nathaniel was like one of those guys I read about yesterday, some sports figure, and they said, if you want to know what he thought about anybody, just ask him. He's going to tell you straight up. And Jesus saw that character in Nathaniel. He's a guy who will tell it straight up. There's no hypocrisy in him. There's no deceit in him. And Nathaniel, he knows me. How does he know me? How does, he's never seen me. How does he know me? I want to talk about that. Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the victory, when I was under the fig tree, I've never seen him before and he hasn't been close to me. How the heck does he know that I was sitting under a fig tree? Oh my. He blows my mind. Now let's talk about all that. Come and see. And come and see that he knows you. You know, there are all kinds of secrets sitting in front of me. Secrets that not even those closest to you know. They're embarrassing secrets. Sometimes they could even be criminal secrets. Whatever. He knows you. 
Jesus knows every secret in this room, good or bad. He knows you. The one who says, come and see, he knows you. And if you've received him, he'll receive you. Aren't you glad to know that he knows you? You, don't, you can't keep any secrets from him. Isn't it good just to know that the Lord of the universe, he knows you. He knows you what you can scarcely utter to anybody else. He knows the good and he knows the bad. If it's good, he's put it there. If it's bad, it comes with our sin nature, but he knows it. And you can go to him with everything. He received you. Remember that song? Just as I am without one plea. He's received you and me just as we are. He didn't take us to himself because we were good people. He, we aren't natively good. He didn't take us because he loved us for something in us. Once in a while I hear songs like that. He never received a one of us because of all the good that he saw in us. He saw us, he saved us, took us for his own purposes, and he knows what he can make of us. Don't you look back, those of you who know the Lord, don't you look back, and aren't you embarrassed by these days back here? Look at what he's done in your life. Look at how you've changed. You're not the person you used to be, and that's not you. That's him. He's changed you. You know, as close as anybody could come, and I have a lot of people sitting here, I can go to Aussie and I can talk to her about virtually anything. We've lived with each other for 105 years. Getting kind, of, getting kind of old, isn't it, Oz? We've lived with each other for all this. She knows me, not like the Lord knows me, but she knows me. It's freeing. I can go talk to her. Sit down in the evenings. We can talk. Talk about virtually anything. It's freeing to have somebody you can talk to who knows you. You don't have to hide anything. They know you. They can put everything in context. They know you. Well, the Lord knows you infinitely beyond that. He received you at the foot of the cross under his atoning blood, washed all your sins away, washed all that dark stuff away, washed it all away under his blood. And as we come to him, without any hesitation and just cast ourselves at his feet. We go where he dwells. We will learn him. He already knows us. Well, we move on. Nathaniel answered him, verse 49, and said, you're the son of God. We grow in our understanding of these conceptions. 
Jesus is the Son of God in the sense of Psalm chapter 2, that he's the heir that God appointed, the heir of all things. He's the Son of God in that he was going to be the king that God was sending into the world. And he's the Son of God in the sense that he is the fullness of deity in human flesh. That part they hadn't gotten yet. Weren't close to it yet. Their faith was seminal. It had to grow and would grow. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. That they understood. Kind of like my youngest daughter. He's the top of top. They kind of got that. But they had to grow into that suit like you and I do. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe this? Come and you shall see. You shall see greater things than this. You can't believe what all you're going to learn. And Jesus said to him, What's all this mean? Truly, truly, I say to you, Nathaniel, you shall see the heavens open. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the sun. Where's that come from? What that's, what's that all about? That goes back to Genesis 28. You remember Jacob, of whom Nathaniel is, is a descendant. Do you remember what Jacob was doing one night? We think when we read the Old Testament, J Jacob always knew God. He didn't. He was like Esau. He had a little different heart, but he was a deceiver. That's what the name means, a deceiver. He had a deceiving heart. But then when things went south in the family and he had to escape from Esau, his mother told him, you got to get out of Dodge. you got to go back to my people back up there in Padan Aram. Well, he stopped one night. He had to sleep. He, he didn't have a my pillow man around. And so he laid down in this place, then later called Bethel, laid down, took a rock. That was his pillow. That would have taught me something. Anyway, while he was having a dream that night, a vision, this was God at work. While he was having a dream, the vision was he saw a ladder going up to heaven Godward. It was startling. He saw angels going back and forth, back and forth on that. Woke up the next morning and he said, My, this is the house of God. It wasn't, but that's where it seemed, that's where he really met God. Wow. So it became a sacred spot to him. Well, now when, the, when Jesus tells Nathaniel, you're going to see something as you come and see. You're going to see God. You're going to get to know God. And there's just going to be, there's going to be through me, just like those angels, going to be through me, a constant flow of revelation and illumination in spiritual things. And you're going to become a man you never dreamed. So it is with us. You've come this far. You're going to go much further. 
And I say to you, by the time this is all over, you and I are going to be transformed when the Lord comes. We shall see him as he is, and then we will be all the perfections, imperfections that you and I have. All of the warts, all of the lesions spiritually that are in us, and they're worse than that. They're suddenly going to disappear, and we're going to be like Jesus. And we're going to see him as he is, and we're going to be like him. Everything's going to change. Wow. Isn't that a wonderful thing? As Brian said in his devotional, we're living in a crazy world. I don't know what's going to happen around the next corner these days. Stuff is already happening. We can see it. One of our ladies in the Chinese school had her tire slashed right in the middle of the day last week. We've never seen anything like that before. Just a little warning of things to come. That's why you saw somebody came here and they said, Jim, your, your windows are down. Do you think, is that all right? I said, yes. And then I sat there and thought, no, maybe that's not all right, considering what's going on. It's a crazy world we're facing. But the story is, come and see. Come and see. Jesus is going to show us himself. So let me just sum up here quickly. If you can stand it, I can. Okay. We see here that the faithful are given eyes to see and ears to hear, but the faithless don't get it. John's disciples had not arrived in faith in Jesus when John said, Behold the Lamb of God. It blew right past most of them, but not these. If you've God has given you a heart of faith, I want to say to you, he will give you eyes to see and ears to hear. You'll wonder why others don't get it. Come and see is the path to great knowledge and intimacy with God. Three, he knows everything about us, even when we know little about him. He loves in spite of all of our warts and lesions. I've told you many times, this is another story about a professor I had in college. God used him, though he's a non-believer, to change my very life. Really did. I didn't even know myself at that time. But my freshman year in college, I don't know how, still don't know how. That man knew me. I'd never been around him. But he knew me and he saw things in me that I didn't even know were in myself. Paid for my first year of seminary. Didn't know Jesus from a bunny rabbit. But he knew me. And that gave me great comfort going through school. It just kicked loose all kinds of things. Well, that's the way the Lord is with us. And he unveils himself gradually to those who are fully with him. Never forget those principles. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the things that you teach us 
through the apostles, through John here, about you, about your word. We're thankful that you reveal yourself to us through Jesus, who told these disciples to come and see. And he beckons us still to this day to come and see. He knows us inside out when we don't even know ourselves. Or sometimes we know things about ourselves we wish we didn't. But he knows, he forgives, and he changes and transforms. We pray, our Heavenly Father, that we would fully give ourselves to him. And we pray for anybody here who doesn't know him, that the Spirit of God would work in their hearts and draw them to Jesus. They would hear him say, come and see. And they would not stand there and say, show me. And then I will come. Let us come and see. We ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his sake. Amen.